This is the Poppin' Kernels Podcast with Kylie Ostendorf. So grab some salt and butter and settle in for Poppin' Kernels. Poppin' Kernels podcast. I'm Kylie Ostendorf and I'm super excited to have Danny Cannell here today. Danny and I worked together at ESPN and he was kind enough to come on the podcast. Um, welcome, Danny. Kylie, it is great to see you again. It's crazy to think it's, I think it's been like almost 10 years, which is kind of nuts since the last time we worked together. Had a ton of fun. You were always one of my favorite uh, colleagues, co-workers, if you will. So it's uh, great to catch up with you again. Yeah, so I'm super excited. Like you said, it's been a long time, and I always loved working with you on College Football Live. You were one of the mainstays and always down for my crazy ideas like this one. Um, but what do you think about the game this weekend with Nebraska? So, Kylie, I'm going to be honest with you. I So usually, you know, I'm, I'm considered uh, – you know, expert's a strong word, but I'm a college football analyst. Like my job is to go in having a pretty good feel of what I'm going to see happen. Mm-hmm. There, This might be the game of the weekend where I honestly, I have no clue what to expect. And my confidence has been a little bit rattled yeah. because like a lot of people, when I saw what Dion did at Colorado this past weekend, uh, this past off season, I was like, ah, it's yeah, maybe it works over the long haul, but there's no way they can be up and ready to go by week one against TCU on the road. And then they go have the performance they did. So I'm rattled from that one. The other thing I should, you know, I should read this to you. I don't know if I still have the screen grab. So I like to tweet during games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I delete, I think I delete it. No, 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 here I have it. I'm <laughs> showing you on the broadcast. So I screen grabbed it. I didn't save it in drafts, but this was the tweet that I had ready to go late, 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 late in the game, Nebraska versus Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Ready for this? Now this might sting. This might sting a little bit. I'm used to it. Here's the tweet. Here's the tweet. That's exactly why you brought in Matt Rule at Nebraska. <laughs> They found ways to lose one possession games under the previous regime. Now they found a way to win in game one. Impressive start, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then, of course, we know what happened. Like, so I thought those issues were resolved. I thought they were going to close it out, and then they don't. So I'm, I'm like, rattled because I I feel – and and so I think a lot of betters are too because you know obviously the point the the point spread is swung ten points, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska wins the game. Like I I mean that you know, but I also could see Colorado winning by two touchdowns. I just honestly don't know what I'm going to get from this game. Yeah. So basically, what I took out of that is that it was you jinxed us, tweeting that, having it in your drafts. <laughs> It, it didn't get out. Thankfully it was, it was, I was about to hit send and then there was the, the pick and I was like, Oh my gosh, what happened there? Yeah. The fumble, yeah. it was all of it, yeah. all of it unfolded. Yeah. This weekend I think will be interesting because I think the hype is so real, but like Husker fans sold that game out when the tickets went on sale. So they've been hyping like, 
oh, Dion sold his debut out. And the Denver Post even put out an article yesterday saying, oh, Dion Sanders won because there's going to be 50% Colorado fans at a home game. Like, that's not a win. And last time they sold out the game, Nebraska was the opponent, and it was all red. So I think Husker Faithful is going to show up. I don't know what team's going to show up. <laughs> Haven't known for 20 years. But um, <laughs> I think we just can't beat ourselves defensively. Like there was not a lot of defense in the Colorado game. And with TCU, I think the black shirts are stronger, better, faster. Um, it's really just the quarterback play for us. We haven't had a quarterback in a mm. long time and we had four turnovers last game. So I think we'll beat ourselves first, but also he has the boys believing in Colorado. So I think it's, gonna be fun yeah I think too I think for Matt Rule you know the best way to win this game is two things one the defense I thought they played pretty good against Minnesota right there's gonna be better weapons on the exterior but I don't know about the offensive line for Colorado I think Nebraska could pressure Shador Sanders which that will neutralize any quarterback no matter how good he looked last week they've got weapons on the outside but if he doesn't have time they could exploit a poor offensive line. The other thing, too, you mentioned it. Colorado's defense was a little bit of a sieve last week, and they really struggled to stop the run. If I'm Matt Rule and if I'm Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, I am running the football. I am running Jeff Sims maybe 25 times, and I am probably throwing it maybe 10. Now, I exaggerate a little bit. But I am honestly like there's a point at time when you worry about your quarterback's psyche. And Jeff Sims had a lot of ups and downs. But in his debut to have three interceptions, two of which were extremely boneheaded, cost you a lot of points, cost you the game at the end. Like I wonder where he is mentally, just in a confidence. And if he's not, if he's rattled, which I would have been, I would have been, I think a lot of quarterbacks would be, you need to build up his confidence, give him something positive and eliminate the chance for risk. And I think the best way to do that is to use him as a weapon running the football and really pick your spots to throw the football. And I think they can have some success doing that against Colorado's uh, defensive front seven. So that's what I would expect. That's how I would, you know, the recipe for a Nebraska win is to run the football with effectiveness, keep the, you know, win the time of possession game, and then to pressure Shador Sanders because I think that that offensive line is vulnerable I think Nebraska could exploit it. Yeah, I agree. You're speaking to our fan base because people have just been saying, run the football, run the football. In the Minnesota game at the end of the game, why are we not running the football? So I agree with you on that. I think it will be interesting to see if and when Colorado faces adversity because I think that was a tough game. But like once things go a little haywire, you're down by two touchdowns. That's where you really see the strength of a team. So I hope we can do that. But what do you think the message is in the locker room for Matt Rule? Like on the outside, it looks like Deion Sanders just won the Super Bowl and is college football king. And nobody's mm -hmm. giving Nebraska a chance whatsoever. So what do you think the message is to get those boys hyped? I'm sure it may sound different. It may look different. But I would imagine the message from Matt Rule to the team is pretty similar to what Dion was telling his players going into TCU. You know, they were a 20 and a half point underdog, and everybody was telling him, You can't do this. There's no way. 
the same exact way people are now, you know, with Nebraska, you know, where they've swung around all the way around where they're an underdog. And it's tricky though. Like, do you bring up, I think you have to point out the positives. Like you have to point out the defense played great. You guys were able to move the football. You had the ball in the red zone. If you just eliminate your mistakes, you would have won that game. You would have been one and oh, and you're fine. But I think you also, you lean into the opportunity that's at stake. Like you can turn around the whole season with one game, you know, like in the mentality of a fan base, you can win everybody back just as quickly as you lost them. And it's a rivalry game. Like, I don't know if there's that much you can do or that much that matters for a rivalry because there's already a hatred that's there. There's always a desire to beat that opponent. And I also think, you know, Dion is somebody that the national media has covered extensively. The players on that team have been covered extensively. If that's not enough to create some jealousy in a good way, like then you might have a problem in Nebraska. But I don't. I think they have been paying attention. I think they would love to, you know, to win on this stage and to shut Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes up. I think that's the mentality that everybody around college football has. That's why I do think that Colorado is such a fascinating story, Kylie, because I think there's, there's, there's either. There's no middle ground. It's not people like, eh, let's see what they do. People either love the way Dion is coaching or they hate it. And like that is a very real scenario that's unfolding. So Nebraska will have a lot of people rooting for them. But I think those players, they've been looking forward to this game all season, all offseason yeah. long. I think too, like any underdog who has that going in, like Colorado last week, you want to be that person. I feel like it hypes them up and gives them a different kind of juice for the game instead of everyone saying we're going to win it gives us a little more like i don't know strength going into it so i'm excited to see what do you think about dion are you which side are you on so i had a little twitter beef with dion last week that i had an <laughs> issue with because he really he wouldn't really acknowledge that he was a Florida State Seminole. Like he was at, there was this exchange with a reporter and she said, I'm a cane, you're a knoll. And he cut her off and he said, what'd you say? And she's like, I'm a knoll, you know, you're a knoll. And she said, where did I graduate from? And he really like wanted to steer the conversation away from Florida State. And he wouldn't, he didn't even mention the word Seminole. He's like, I went to an HBCU and got my degree from there. That's who I am. I'm an HBCU graduate. And it rubbed me the wrong way, as it did a lot of Florida State fans. Up until that moment, and really, it didn't change my mind. Like, I still like yeah. Dion. I still think he's great for college football. I also think this is something that's never been attempted before. And it's really, there's only been the opportunity to do this in three years. So, because with the transfer portal being wide open without penalty, with NIL, we've seen coaches dabble mm -hmm. in it. But Dion just went all in. I was like, all right, you guys are going to have these rules you can take advantage of. I'm going to cut guys. I'm going to clear out a locker room. I'm going to bring in guys with me, and they're going to all be getting NIL deals and was just very upfront about it, and that rubbed people the wrong way. I don't fault anybody for taking advantage of the system that's there. I think there is a method to his madness. He is Dion. He's a brand in himself. He's brought that brand, and he's utilized it to put Colorado back on the map. And, you know, it's kind of – it's. It's like, where do you think they are on the map, I guess, is the question. Like, where do you want them to be? Like, are they buried in some hillbilly town in the middle of nowhere? Or are they like a, you know, 
Los Angeles or Miami or, or New York? Like, are they are they that big of a issue for college football? And after week one, it looked like it had on the wrong uh, on on the right path to being a powerhouse of college football. And I know some people are like there's no way they compete with USC or Bama or Ohio State. But if he continues, even if they're six and six or you know seven and five, but they compete with USC and Oregon and some of those tough teams in the Pac-12, he'll make it a cool place to go. Which like it's it's going to be a destination spot. Like kids are going to want to go play for Dion because of the exposure you get, you know, because the the coaching style that he has, it's fun. He he promotes his players. Like I mean, to promote promote two players for the Heisman, you don't see many coaches doing that after one game. Yeah. So I'm a fan of. It. By the way, Kyle, we did make up okay. too. He he, we did make up. So I'm not like mad at him anymore. And he he was mad at me, and then he kind of realized where I was coming from. So I think we're yeah. all good. And he probably. He, I don't even know if he knows I went to Florida State, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I saw, <laughs> but we're all good. Yeah, I saw the Twitter beef and I wanted to talk about this because when we worked at ESPN, you weren't really like hot take Danny. I think you really couldn't be. And then after ESPN, I just learned a whole new Danny Cannell and Twitter is like on fire. So I kind of wanted to talk about that because. It really wasn't that way when we were working together. And I think now you kind of have the freedom to say what you want a little more and have taken on that role. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, I think there's some of it being away from ESPN. There's definitely like you want to fit a certain mold. Uh, You know, the narrative kind of the directive from ESPN was, you know, let's keep it a little more professional. I like to have fun. You know that from our time all the way back. Like, you know, I, you you mentioned the crazy segments. I'd be like, sure, sign me up. Like, let's have some fun. I think we all take ourselves way too seriously sometimes. Like, guys get mad if you get criticism on social media or if you miss on a pick that you give. Guys are like, oh, I better not talk about that. They don't want to admit that they were wrong. There's just way too many people take themselves too seriously. So I feel like I do that on air and on social media. Like, I yes, I'm an analyst, and I can criticize Florida State with the best of them. Like I, I've been harsh on them over the last decade, like when they were bad. I said they this is not acceptable, and I and I picked against them. Oregon played Florida State in the first playoff. I picked Florida State to lose. Like I have to do that as my job, but I also I bleed garnet and gold, and I want to root for them, and I kind of want to talk trash about them, which does. That's an interesting one, Kylie, because I do think it takes away. Like, I think a lot of people see that and they're like, you can't be objective. Mm-hmm. I think I can separate that. And I don't mind if people struggle with that perception. I'm like, ah, screw it. I just want to enjoy, you know, being a fan of my school. And any analyst, anybody, Kirk Herbstreet, Joel Klatt, like pick your analyst that's out there. They're all rooting for their alma maters. Yeah. Absolutely. With pom-poms. Like, and they just may not want to show mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I would, if I was calling a Florida state game, which I've done, I would absolutely, I wouldn't use. We, I would not be pulling for them. I would criticize them again. If they were losing, I would say they are not playing. Like I would have no problem with that, but I've just really kind of said, you know what, let's have some fun. And it probably goes back to me being a player. I always love the trash talk and just the conversations, the playful conversations that take place in the locker room, giving each other a hard time. That's what I love to do. And I think some fans think it like think I'm being really mean. It's always in a playful yeah. manner. Like, you know, the tweets that are out there, they're snarky, they're fun, but 
man, college football fans don't like to hear some of that stuff. Yeah, I can relate with that because working in football for so many years, I've learned a lot about football and I have certain takes about Husker football that fans don't like, people don't like to hear, but it's the truth. Like with Scott Frost, there were times that you heard things about practice from insiders or whatever. And it's like, I think there's bad practices every single day, not just once a week. And then people just like threw me into the fire with that. And it's like, it's still true. So I think the hard thing is like, the real passion is being a football fan or a player or whatever. And you like to talk trash, you're an athlete and that's Twitter. But then when it turns professional, it's like, oh, you can't be professional if you want to be a f- athlete fan too. So I like that too. I like this week I've been getting into it with Colorado fans. Cause I'm just a heartbroken Husker <laughs> fan. Um, but I hear you on that. And it's been nice to like see you grow into like something different after ESPN. We have never got to connect really after that. So it's fun watching you shine. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. I know some people don't feel that way <laughs> because I am like I I do. I think if you misinterpret or if you just if you just follow me on social media, like I feel like it's a different person than the reality almost. And I think that's probably the thing that's most surprising. People are most of the time, I hope, knock on wood, because maybe, maybe people just don't like me all the time. But I've had a lot of people that have met me and they're like, oh, you're not that bad. Like you're not this annoying jerk on social media. And I'm always like, well, that's because it's, you know, it's Twitter, it's X, it's fun. I'm just like kind of, you know, you're almost playing a role almost. And it does allow you, which Unfortunately, like when you get in the political landscape, people say things that you wouldn't say in person. I think that's, you know, that's probably I have a little more courage to get out there and send a tweet and I'll back it up. But it's just you can almost embrace some things that you can't on certain platforms. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And when Scott Frost got hired and you were at the national championship, you saw Scott Frost and you sent me a picture and we thought that was going to be like churning of the time for the Huskers. Jesus was coming back for us to save us. And I think college football thought that too. What do you think happened with Scott Frost at Nebraska? Everybody thought it was the perfect mm-hmm. hire. You know, I, and I mean, if you go back, because every offseason we see grades, you know, what coaching hire grades, I would mm-hmm. say the percentage of, reporters and analysts that gave it an A grade, it's probably 90%. Everybody thought he's he's been groomed perfectly at UCF, had success at a smaller program. Now he's the beloved son to return home. It's the perfect fit. And it really did feel like that. Um, what went wrong? I don't know. I do think like, you know, I'll give you a little insight. So when, when Scott Frost was at UCF, mm-hmm. I asked him in a meeting in a production meeting i said man i'm like how how have you are you ready for this and he was actually there was rumors rumblings about him getting a bigger job and i was like do you think you're ready for the next step because i i thought florida state should have went after him florida fans thought florida should have gone after him like there he was popular in the state of florida too so i was very well aware of him and i said do you think you're ready to make that jump and he was like to be honest with you he said i don't know if i was ready for the ucf job I just kind of went about my my business, did what I always do, and that's what I'm going to do at the next level, 
which I'm sure he did. I just wonder if that mentality might have, it was very honest, but I wonder if there was some truth behind it that when he got the job at Nebraska, was it too big for him too soon? Did he need a little bit more time to really learn what it takes to rebuild a program? Because UCF, I know there was a quick turnaround, but UCF is a program that even like a couple years before had had 10 win Mm -hmm. seasons. Like he did help turn it around. No doubt. I don't want to take away from him, but the Nebraska rebuild is significantly more challenging than UCF. Not to mention UCF was in the American. Like it's a different level of play. Now Nebraska, you're trying to turn it around in the Big Ten, which is already a huge challenge. Like the issues I just think ran a little deeper and were more challenging for Scott Frost. And then I think you mentioned it. There was probably some things where there was a lack of discipline at practice. Mm -hmm. You know, just again, like kind of some of the things you're talking about, some of the issues that were just culturally going on in Lincoln, I think it probably was something that was missed and somehow slipped through the cracks that I'm sure Scott Frost, if he could go back and do it again, would love to go back and try to, you know, fix some of those issues. You know, and I think it it almost gets easier now, though, for Matt Rule, because with the NIL era, and I get that Frost had a little bit of time in that era, but it is easier now with a, with a following and the support and the financial backing that you have at Nebraska, it does get easier to attract talent because you guys can, you have the resources to go get pretty much, you know, teams that, you know, other teams are competing against should. So like the turnaround, I do think is, is a better opportunity and not easier. It's not easy by any means, but I think Matt rule will find it, you know, a little bit smoother sailing. Yeah. And I think with Scott Frost, like he only had one one season right as a head coach and then came to nebraska Mm -hmm. so i think even just being a head coach being the ceo of football team and i think when he came back to nebraska it felt like he kind of was treating it like he was still the quarterback in 1995 and this was lincoln and you just heard some stories about golfing and different things. And it was just like, man, like that doesn't seem like the right choice that you're making for this program. And it makes me so sad because I think Husker nation as a whole is like heartbroken from what happened, but like how's Scott Frost doing? Like we haven't heard anything from him. We haven't heard any rumors and that's what bums me out. Cause we loved having him for sure, but if he would have never taken the job and would still be thriving, I would like to see that instead. You know, maybe he is now. He gets to be with his family, but it's just been like a roller coaster for Husker Nation. Yeah, it absolutely has. It's it's hard too because, I mean, as when I played at Florida State, we always played Nebraska. You know, we played them twice my freshman year, my sophomore year. Uh, which was unfortunately it was a rough loss in Nebraska, but like we played them in some dog fights and it was a, you know, Bobby Bowden, uh, you know, it was just unbelievable versus Tom Osborne. Like it was unbelievable. Yes. Like yeah. the legends that took place in that game, you know, like, and I get it, man. I think, I, I, I don't know if we say it enough. I think college football is better when a program like Nebraska is good and is on the national stage. And it feels like, And that one, the three and nine season, which I know gets mocked, it was like the best three and nine season ever because they had some, like, if you could have just had some of those swing, maybe you're on your way. But again, here we are again. If you just could have had it swing your way against Minnesota, we'd be talking differently. But at some point you do feel like if they could just catch some momentum and catch a break, there's a, you know, the team starts to feel a win in a tight game that you could, 
the floodgates could open for the Cornhuskers for sure. Yeah, and I know you need to wrap things up. So talking about this weekend, Colorado, Nebraska, like you said, just one game is going to change everything. So I wanted to let you know the single possession game streak started against Colorado in 2019. So it can end this weekend. But I think, like you said, Colorado's good for college football and Nebraska's good for college football. Them playing together, I've seen that it's going to be like the most watched college football game, the highest vetted college football game ever. So I hope the Huskers come in. Do you have a prediction for the game on Saturday? I I told you I don't know. I think the right side is Nebraska. Like I think there'll be a correction for Colorado, but it's such an mm-hmm. unknown. And I'm still kind of worried about about Jeff yeah. Sims. You know the the turnover issues. But I would I would say take Nebraska in the points. Like I think that's the right side. Um, but I, I'm, I don't want to like invest in this one. <laughs> no, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I love to hear that. And then I just wanted to talk quick about Husker volleyball. You mentioned a few things. Yeah. You're a girl dad. I met your girls. They're all great and getting so big. So what do you think that meant for them as young athletes? So you asked me before you texted me, said you need a confession. My confession was going to be that I am a closet coming out of the closet massive nebraska volleyball fan like it was so cool so cool uh what we saw on the national stage my oldest daughter plays volleyball she would love to play in college one day she's a sophomore so she's just starting to kind of look at colleges but for me to be able to like sit down and show her that game with ninety-two thousand fans and just an enthusiastic atmosphere. That's something my daughters have never witnessed in any women's sport, you know, and no one has, yeah. you know, in, in this country. And it's just really cool to see the backing that they get, the support, the job that John Cook has done as the head coach. I mean, he's a legend in that sport. But to give the opportunity to have a volleyball day, to say, hey, let's show some support. I hope they set an example that everybody follows in, you know, across the country. I don't know if anybody will match that crowd. Yeah. But let's give them the opportunity to. And then knowing the competitive nature of other programs that have really good volleyball programs, Penn State, you know, stand like across the country. Let's see if they can match it. Let's get more games like that. And I think you're going to see more games on the national stage, on national TV. I think the sport's about to explode. But I loved, loved, loved watching that. And I loved showing that sea of red that shows up not only for a football game, but also for that volleyball team was really, really cool. Yeah, it was so cool because as an alumni, like you just have this passion for the Huskers and seeing the stadium fill up and they even canceled school for the students and they've never done it for football. And just seeing John Cook do the tunnel walk, like I was crying because he's been there for 24 years and he's always had to play in the shadow of the football team. So for him, I felt like that was just like a proud moment. And you could see him getting emotional on the sidelines and the tunnel walk. He said he cried like four times. And so I just think it was so powerful for women, women in sports, women who play sports. And I'm really proud that like Nebraska was the one who championed it. Like, why wasn't the WNBA trying this? Why wasn't other women's sports trying this or even thought of it so it was really cool to see that and made me proud as a husker but my confession is i wanted to let 
our audience know, um, when you work at ESPN and you have visitors come to Connecticut, you always show them the tour. You go on this huge tour and you share and whatever. Danny and I worked on College Football Live and I had some family in town and it was late at night and I was taking them into the college football studio. And then about a minute later, Danny comes busting in and he's like, Kylie, is this your family? And I was like, yes, this is my family. And it was the coolest moment because at ESPN, there's like talent and then there's not talent. And there's kind of like a unknown role, like you're not friends or you're not this way. And you had to see my family walk into the studio and make it a point to come and say hi. And like, I will never forget that. It meant so much to me. Aww. And I'm thankful for everything that I've learned from you. And I'm your fan always. So thank you. Thank you so much. I knew what your family meant to you. Uh, so I really want to extend that. And plus, I could see they were passionate, you know, college football fans, you know, just I love it. I thought it was awesome. And it's so like to me, I just that was normal to me. I mean, I work with you. You're a part of a team. I want to meet your family because I just want to see another extension of you. And I think it's a tribute to your success. And it's a job that they've done such a remarkable job of raising you and doing a phenomenal job. So I remember that as well. And I loved getting to meet them. It is. It was really awesome. And I'm I'm happy to see you crushing it Thank as well. You. Thank you so much. Great yeah, to catch up. Yeah, so good. And we have to not go 10 years without connecting again. Definitely. Definitely. Maybe I'll get to, uh, I don't know. I can't even keep track of your travels because you're all over. Like you have your Instagram. I just live vicariously through yours because I see you just kind of hopping all around the country and you're taking vacations and trips. Maybe one day we'll catch up out on the road and we'll be able yes, to hang out. I'm down. I'm super down. Go big red. <laughs> Good luck this weekend.